Good morning. It is so good to see everybody this morning. How are y'all doing? Or chilly. It, it, yes. Oh my gosh. Did anyone stay in their pajamas all day yesterday and just watch, watch movies? It was the perfect weather. I know when, whenever my wife and I do that, we, our favorite is to turn on Harry Potter. And it's just something about Harry Potter and fall and cold weather. It just is a perfect combination. Uh, I want to welcome you all this morning uh, to Church of the Palms, whether this is your first Sunday joining us or you have been a part of our family for years now. We are so glad that you're here this morning. My name is Connor Peters. I am the student and family ministry director, which means that I get the, uh, the blessing of getting to work very closely with all of our middle and high school students, and they keep me on my toes, and it is a whole lot of fun uh, getting to do that. So I want to share a couple of things that are happening in the life of our church coming up this week and this month that we are very excited about. Um, The first off is that we have our Noontime Concert Series, which is continuing this week. It will be going on at 12.30 p.m. in the chapel. If you have not been in the chapel yet, it was freshly uh, remodeled earlier this year. It is absolutely beautiful. And Genevieve did her first Noontime Concert Series last month uh, with the Sarasota um, Choir. I know I'm going to mess up that name. Please forgive me. But it was incredible. And I know that this one is going to be incredible as well. Um, So you are welcome to join us at 1230 on Wednesday in the chapel. Uh, Tickets are $10. You can uh, register either online on our website to get your ticket, or you can go ahead and also just do that at the door when you show up on Wednesday. But you are invited to join us for that. And Wednesday's a big day because then after our noontime concert series, we're going to have our Rise Against Hunger event going on Wednesday evening. Uh, That is an event that we are so excited about. We have this audacious goal this year of packing over 15,000 meals. And the incredible thing about that is that we have the space and we have the resources, but we need the hands to help uh, in in order to pack that many meals. We're looking at needing a group of about 75 to 90 people. And usually we have about 45 to 50. So we're talking about almost doubling this event in order to pack this many meals. Uh, But we believe that we can do it because we are part of a church that loves to serve and give of their time and of their gifts and of their resources. And this is one of the incredible ways that we can do that. And this is going to be a family event. So this is a great opportunity, whether you have a young one or an old one, please bring everybody. Um, We are so uh, excited about this event. And Rise Against Hunger is an incredible organization. They have set the goal of ending world hunger by 2030. Wow, ending world hunger by 2030. So while we are packing 15,000 meals, many churches across the whole world, or across the whole U.S., and I think possibly outside the U.S. as well, work to pack meals throughout the year to help and assist with that goal. So we are able to be the hands and feet of Jesus through this organization to the rest of the world and play a small role in a much bigger mission. And then we also have the Salvation Army bell ringing, which is going to be coming up uh, very soon. We are going to begin that on November 27th, and that is going to run all the way through to Christmas Eve. So almost a full month, we're going to be ringing the bell. I believe our location this year is right here at the Publix. Uh, I'm I'm mixed up on my direction. Just down the road here, um, maybe a half mile down the road at the light, there's that Publix right there. I believe that's where we're going to be ringing the bell this year. You can register for a shift. Um, to ring that bell. All of it is set up on our website, so you can do that at any time, and uh, we would love for that opportunity. Everyone that does that always says that that's such an incredible thing, and uh, it's such a humbling experience and just so encouraging for them, 
And for our students who may be looking for community service hours, that is a great way to get those community service hours. And then, of course, the last thing that I want to share with you all this morning before we get to greet one another is our homeless sleepover. That's an event specifically for our fourth and fifth grade students where they get to learn about homelessness and what that looks like across the country and also uh, here in Sarasota. So that is an overnight event coming up. If you have a fourth or fifth grader, it's an educational event, but they will also uh, get to uh, purchase food and gifts for a family, and uh, they'll head to Walmart, and then also they will be setting up um, their own little um, houses here in the courtyard. So that Sunday morning that we come in before Thanksgiving, we'll have a whole uh, city built up um, out of boxes right there in our courtyard. So that's a great experience for our fourth and fifth graders, and that registration is online as well. So I have given you a mouthful this morning of everything going on in the church. I would encourage you to please, as we begin to worship this morning, please stand, greet one another, say good morning, tell somebody they look beautiful today, and let's worship together. Yeah. 
rescue my sinless heavy The chains break at the weight of your glory I needed shelter, I was an orphan Now you call me citizen heaven When I was broken, you were my healing Now your love is the air that I'm breathing I have a future
This morning, uh, introduce myself. My name is Sarah. I have the pleasure of serving on staff here at Church of the Palms, and I get to uh, walk you through a couple of things. The first of which is if you would like to support our shared mission here, there are a number of ways you can do so. There are several ways to give, including texting. I don't know how that works, but I'm told it does, so I just <laughs> believe them. I trust it. Um, but it's very easy and ways online, etc. And so I encourage you to think about the ways that you might um, the, you might make that a part of your your life and your routine. And then we're going to turn to the prayers of the people. But before we do, we want to take a few minutes to talk about today. And today um, we are acknowledging All Saints Day, which was on November 1st. And this is an old tradition of the church that is often um, maybe overlooked, certainly in popular culture. But it's a really important day where we pause and we reflect and we, and we pray for and celebrate the lives of the people we've lost, particularly in the last year. So there was a, a handout on the way out if you want to take it and pray over those names in the week to come. But I will read us through a litany now. I understand. I will read us through a litany for all saints. And so you can see uh, your responses there, your people. So that's when you speak. All right, so here goes. Let us pray. We remember the great ancestors of our faith from Abraham and Sarah to Paul and Phoebe. We remember the prophets and priests, the ministers and teachers who have taught us the way of God. We remember our grandparents and parents, aunts and uncles, those who have gone before us in our lifetime. We lift up the memories of children and grandchildren, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives and parents whose lives ended too soon. We lift up to you, O oh God, the names of those who have, we have lost in this past year from our lives, knowing that they are with your heart forever. We celebrate the lives of those we have remembered, O oh God, and lift up many more names in our hearts. We give thanks, O oh God, for all who have gone on to join with you beyond this life. We trust in the hope of resurrection and the promise of new life in Christ. And know that in our grief and celebration, O oh God, you are with us through it all, and we are not left alone. In the name of Christ, in whom love lives forever, we pray. Now I'll invite the mic runners to come forward and introduce themselves, and we will um, take a few more minutes to pray 
with and for one another. So you want to introduce yourselves first? Okay. Hi, I'm Marissa, and I'm a sophomore at Sarasota High School. Hi, I'm Claire, and I'm a freshman at Pineview. Thank you, girls. So what can we be praying for today? I ask for continued prayers for my stepdaughter, Christina, and for all who are battling cancer and other diseases. We say, Lord, hear our prayers. Sorry, send you back out. Good morning. I want to pray for our world leaders to be divinely guided for the people to do the right thing for the people. And also, um, there's a dear woman that we love in our community um, who has gone through a lot. Her, her brother died recently of cancer, but that was really hard for her because that was her best friend. And then another brother within less than two months was murdered and her nephew was murdered. So we want to put out to you, God, that please embrace the family mm. and support them. Lord, hear our prayers. So much suffering. What else can we pray for? All right, let us pray. Loving Father, uh, we give thanks and praise that we know that those that are no longer with us are with you, but our hearts are still heavy and they hurt from the loss. We ask that you would be felt by those who most need it, that you would comfort those that are suffering. And we pray, Father, for those who are struggling in their fight against cancer, for their families, that they might be sustained and strengthened, and that you would be with those who are providing their care, that they would be inspired and encouraged in their work. And we pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, girls. Good morning. My name is Steve McConnell, and I'm one of the pastors here. And it is my joy to introduce to you a good friend of mine, uh, Chris Bonnet. And Chris is the president of the foundation of Church of the Palms. And uh, many of you may be aware that we have uh, an opportunity always for everybody that participates in Church of the Palms to be a part of the Legacy Society, which is an opportunity to be thinking about generations to come and uh, contributing to... Uh, primarily the foundation of Church of the Palms uh, through your estate giving and such, such that um, you can uh, pass forward all of the blessings that you have received in your experience here at Church of the Palms. So we've asked Chris to tell you a little bit about the foundation, what its history is, and the ways by which it has really made a huge difference in the life of Church of the Palms. So, Chris. Good morning. Uh, as Steve mentioned, I am the president of the foundation, and uh, on this All Saints Sunday, as we observe, reflect, and remember, we also remember previous generations 
who have thoughtfully provided the funds to the foundation so that the foundation can do what it does for the church. And it's the foundation that I want to talk to you about this morning. The foundation was, was established in 1983. It was first proposed at the session meeting in October, um, in February, pardon me, in February 1983. The Articles of Incorporation were adopted in October of 83. And in, on November 7, 1983, they were filed and qualifying the foundation as a 501c3 tax-exempt organization. That's eight months from beginning to end. And if you don't know, you should know that that is hypersonic speed in the Presbyterian world. <laughs> Today we celebrate the foundation for its 38 years of service to the church, for honoring the legacy and advancing the mission. Since the beginning and continuing to this day, the purpose of the foundation is to receive gifts of money and property from members and friends of the church during their lifetime or upon their death to enhance the welfare and effectiveness of the church, to utilize these gifts for general mission purposes, capital improvements, and endowment to provide other financial support for the church. Neither the principal nor the interest shall be used for operating expenses of the church. The foundation is governed by seven-member board of directors, four of whom are elected by the session, three by the foundation. The current board, in addition to myself, includes Andrea Jackson, Marlene Petro, Andrew McFall, Matthew Strabe, David West, and Bill Reynolds. With the resources so generously provided by members either directly or through their estate plans, and invested by the board of directors with the assistance of professional financial advisors, and an approved investment policy, the foundation has been able to distribute over $5.5 million since inception. A summary of some of the projects the foundation has funded in whole or in part include the very first one, were funds to uh, acquire the property south of the sanctuary. Actually, the, the new sanctuary sits on property that was purchased uh, with those funds, and now the Palm Center sits on the balance with the fields and the entertainment areas down there. Um, improvements to all campus buildings, including the campus center here. This used to be the sanctuary. Uh, the educational building, music buildings, administration building, funding for the establishment of the contemporary service, TV ministry, media ministry, recently digital ministry for streaming services and programs, the new organ for the sanctuary, ECC Palm Center or Palms Preschool Playground, Samaritan Counseling Services programs, Habitat for Humanity, Honduras Eye Clinic, Hassat Church Ministry Turkey, Immokalee Fair Housing Project, Presbytery New Church Development, Eckerd College Scholarships, Princeton Theological Seminary Library, Cedar Kirk Day of Hope, and Advanced Theological Education for Staff, Laurie Haas, Sarah Sobolewski, Genevieve Beauchamp. Faith and Society Community Speaker Series, Michael Gerson and Father Boyle, to name a few, and the list goes on. The foundation would not exist and could not support the church without the vision and generosity of its donors, past and present. We are humbled in the knowledge that these gifts were given not knowing exactly how they would be used, but with great faith that future leaders would use great care in assuring uses to support the Church of the Palms by honoring the legacy, advancing the mission, 
to love God, to love neighbor. In 1999, the Legacy Society was created to recognize and celebrate members who either made a gift or indicated a future gift as part of their estate planning. Members are recognized with an annual appreciation luncheon and by recognition on the Legacy Tree in the narthex of the sanctuary. Uh, I don't know whether there are pamphlets available uh, here or not, but uh, there are pamphlets available outlining information about the Legacy Society, if you're interested. Um, and as you consider this opportunity to join others in providing for the future of the church and its mission, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 offers this. Each of you must give as you have made up your own mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves cheerful givers. Following the service, I'll be outside in the courtyard if you're interested in more information. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. Amanda and I are grateful that we are on that legacy tree and uh, are grateful that that will be an opportunity for us to share with the uh, long-term future uh, of Church of the Palms, and I encourage you to consider that as well. <clears throat> the scripture I'm about to read is the end of a story, the beginning of which Pastor Lori read and preached on last week. The story is the story of Ruth. And last week, we learned of this immigrant family, Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their two sons. Famine had descended upon the region of Judah, and Elimelech and Naomi and, and their family, in order to survive, pulled up stakes and as refugees immigrated to Moab, a region about seven to ten days travel east and south of Bethlehem, their hometown. In Moab, Elimelech and Naomi's sons Malan and Kilian met and married two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth, and as fate would have it, all the men of this growing family die, and the three now childless women of different race and culture are left to fend for themselves. Last week, we heard the beautiful story of Moabite Ruth's hesed faithfulness to her Israelite mother-in-law and her commitment to return with Naomi to Naomi's land, sort of a reverse immigration. Women at that time were given no real agency to take control of their lives. It all had to do with now attaching yourself to a man. So in order to survive in Bethlehem, Ruth goes to field, to the fields to harvest the crops, and she manders into the field of a man named Boaz, a distant relative, as it turns out, of Naomi. Long story short, Naomi goes to bed with Boaz, which spurs Boaz to seek a way for the two of them to be married. To be married would be pleasing to Boaz and would offer Ruth and Naomi the security for which they had been most desperate. Boaz gets permission. He needs to marry Ruth. And our first lesson is how the story of Ruth ends. So let's hear the word of God. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when they came together, the Lord made her conceive and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. 
Now these are the descendants of Perez. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron of Ram, Ram of Aminadab, Aminadab of Nashon, Nashon of Solomon, Solomon of Boaz, Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, and Jesse of David. Our second lesson is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 11. Paul writes and says, For I handed on to you as a first importance, which I in turn received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. And then he appeared to James and then all to the, all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, where we pray this in his name. Amen. Early this week, our monthly staff worship time so happened to fall on Monday, Monday, November the 1st, which is All Saints Day the day that immediately follows Halloween and in many respects has been eclipsed by Halloween. Hard to find anything about All Saints Day at the party and costume store. As regard to the history of holy days or holidays, All Saints Day long precedes Halloween and has long since been forgotten by many. Yet there may not be a more significant day in our lives than the day that gives us the chance to remember the saints that have preceded us, especially those in our lives, in our past, and in those who have been our forebears, those from whom we have stemmed. So we began our worship on All Saints Day last Monday underneath the big oak tree with long limbering branches over our heads and crackly acorns under our feet. And we took a moment to remember our family trees, the lineage of our lives, the saints and the sinners who hang from our branches, crazy cousin Ralph, eccentric uncle Fester, sweet grandmother Lucy, and sister Mary who died too young. We, we all have a family tree, and each of our trees are filled with all sorts of characters, characters who genetically and otherwise have made us into who we are. So in our staff worship time, each of us was asked to think of one member of our family tree for whom on that day, All Saints Day, we wish to give thanks. And so we did, and we each took a turn to give thanks for one person on our family tree. And when it was my turn, I gave thanks for my great-grandfather, James McMillan McConnell, a man I never met and a man of whom I know precious little, just that he was born in 1850, lived in Ohio and Illinois, was the father of six children, one of whom was my grandfather, and he was a Presbyterian pastor, as was his son, as were his grandsons, my father and uncle, as were his great-grandsons, my two brothers and me. 
That's about all I know about James McMillan McConnell, except that he had the wisdom to marry a woman named Amanda, which turned out to be the best decision I ever made, marrying a woman named Amanda. <laughs> so of all the branches of my family tree, why James McMillan McConnell? Well, I suppose one of the reasons is his story, his, to me, unknown story. I don't know this man's story. I don't know what kind of guy he was. I don't know what churches he served. I don't know how much time he spent with his children. I don't know why he immigrated from Ohio to Illinois, back to Ohio, back to Illinois. And what I especially don't know is what was it that rubbed off of James McMillan McConnell onto one of his sons such that he decided to follow in his father's footsteps? What rubbed off. Something had to have rubbed off. That's what happens in families, right? We rub off on each other. Sometimes we're good, sometimes we're ill, but we all have a way of rubbing off. We all have a way of influencing and shaping the limbs of our tree. My daughter never met my mother. One left the world five months before the other entered the world. Two of the three most important women in my life never met each other. But that doesn't mean that the one has not rubbed off onto the other. Something has been passed down. Genetics and values and memories and personalities and mannerisms, you name it. We all have a way of rubbing off onto the generations that follow. So, lo and behold, the Bible tells us the story of Ruth. And it's not until you get to the end of the story of Ruth that you understand why the story of Ruth ends up in the Bible. And the answer to why the story of Ruth ends up in the Bible gets revealed right at the end when we're told that Ruth is a part of a family tree. Oh, and did you know that Ruth, the foreign immigrant Moabite refugee, did you know that she was the mother of Obed? Oh, oh, and did you know that Obed was the father of Jesse? Oh, and did you know that Jesse was the father of David? You know David? Great King David, the great king of Israel. Did you know that David's great-grandmother was this foreign immigrant Moabite, Hesed faithful refugee who got bounced from land to land, who gave up her country, gave up her God, and became the great-grandmother to a king. I love the Bible for telling us this story, telling us the story of Ruth. Didn't have to tell us the story of Ruth. The whole story could have been about David. But no, it's important, the Bible says, that we hear about Ruth. We hear about Ruth, who, like the rest of us, rubbed off. This loyal, loving, stick-with-you-through-thick-and-thin woman rubbed off onto her boy, who rubbed off onto his boy, who rubbed off onto his boy, and a kingdom arose. So on this All Saints Sunday, we give ourselves the chance to pause and look up into our trees. And we see all the characters and some we remember and some we don't remember. But the truth is, we've been rubbed off upon. And what the good book would wonder is, how has the good Lord been about this rubbing? There are all sorts of these stories in our past which have secretly served as the beginnings of our story. 
the sinners and the saints who have preceded us and made us into who we are. When, when the Apostle Paul at one point starts to tell his own tale, he tells of the good of it and he tells the bad of it. Student of the law, graduate of the finest school, zealot of the faithful, conspirator to murder, arrogant theologian, knocked off his horse by a blinding light, graciously rescued and baptized, and taught once again a whole new school of thought. And along the way, rubbing after rubbing after rubbing, And the apostle says this, at the end of it all, by God's grace, I am what I am. I am what I am, and I pray his grace towards me will not be in vain. Two things, by God's grace, I am what I am. And second, I pray that his grace toward me will not be in vain. Don't you wonder about that when you look up into your family tree that, that through this cast of crazy characters that made up my life, all the rubbings that have rubbed off, that by God's grace I am what I am. There's a peace and there's an acceptance that comes with that statement that by God's grace I have arrived where I have arrived. Would that I wanted the tree a little different? Maybe so. But it is what it is and you are what you are. And by God's grace, we've all come this far. And then the second part, the prayer. The prayer that the grace which has brought me safe thus far will not have been in vain. Which is another way of saying, as much as I have been rubbed upon, what rubbing am I doing upon others? How am I rubbing off? What a thing to wonder about on All Saints Sunday. How am I rubbing off? How am I now making a difference in somebody else's life? What from me is being... You know, I think the temptation in life is to think mostly of preserving yourself. How do I hold on to what is mine? How do I hold on to my assets? How do I hold on to my reputation? How do I hold on to my money? How do I hold on to my position? How do I hold on to my opinions? When it seems that the Bible wants to remind us over and over again that it's what rubs off that counts. Thank God dear Ruth didn't consider holding on to her homeland, holding on to her past. Instead, she rubbed off onto her mother-in-law onto her son, which was, as we learned, was just the beginning of the story. Makes me think of Marjorie Williams' classic children's story, The Velveteen Rabbit, in which she tells the tale of a nursery toy, a velveteen rabbit who becomes the beloved toy of a little boy. And early in the story, the velveteen rabbit has a conversation with another toy in the nursery called the skin horse. The, the skin horse is one of these old stuffed animals that's been passed down from generation to generation, so old that his brown coat was bald in patches and so that showed the seams underneath and most of the hairs in his tail, tail had been pulled out, rubbed off, if you please. Williams relays the conversation this way. What is real, asked the rabbit one day when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender before Nana came to, the tidy, to tidy the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside and a stick-out handle? 
No, real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you when a child loves you for a long, long time. Not just to play with, but really loves you. Then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you're real, though, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? Oh, it doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become it. It takes a long time. It's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Oh, generally by the time that you're real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter because once you're real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. The boy's uncle made me real. That was a great many years ago. But once you're real, you can't become unreal again. It lasts for always. Once you're real, once you've rubbed off, you can't become unreal. You can't unrub. Which would mean that today and tomorrow and the next day are the opportunities we have to wonder, how are we rubbing? What are we leaving behind? What place do we have on our tree? What's our legacy? What do we want to make sure rubs off on those who follow? What fruit do we pray others will find in our branches? Which makes me think of another classic children's book, that is as sophisticated as I get when it comes to literature, children's books. This one written by Shel Silverstein, The Giving Tree, about the tree that loves the little boy so much that he doesn't think twice about giving away first his apples for the boy to make some money, and then his branches for the boy to make a house, and then his trunk for the boy to build a boat, and then finally a stump, as a stump for the boy, now an old man, to use as a place to sit. And with every act of giving, Silverstein says, the tree was very happy. And with every bit of his being, he rubs off. And with every day, a chance to be real. So we give thanks, don't we, for all the saints who from their labors rest, for all the fruit hung upon our tree for all the rubbings that have rubbed off. For we are what we are. And we pray, most fervently we pray, that his grace toward us will not be in vain. For immigrant, foreigner, refugee, and Hesed faithful Ruth named her son Obed. And Obed became the father of Jesse. And Jesse became the father of a king. Yes, I invite you to grab your little plastic bags there. In a moment, we'll invite you to partake of the elements. But as we get ourselves ready, hear this invitation. Friends, we have come from where we've come. We have 
fallen from our own trees. We have been guided by the Holy Spirit. And we have been led to this table whereby God's grace, God meets us and seeks to shape us even more by his grace to be rubbed off upon us such that we can become his children more and more and enter into the world to be rubbing off on those who come our way. So come to this table and find here the feast of forgiveness and love, the gifts of grace and mercy, and know that God meets you here and is seeking to find ways through which God can be a difference in the world through us. Here the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. And he will come again. Let us pray. We bless you, O Lord, that you are the God who meets us in this place. You are the God who receives us, not realizing, not even concerned about where we've come from. You are the God who fills us with your spirit. You are the God who allows this very common meal to be turned into the feast of heaven. So join us, O God, that we may sense your presence, that we may become, even through this meal, more like your children, for the sake of all your children. For we pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The gifts of God for the people of God, let us commune together.
journey. You are the one who has rubbed off upon us and have brought people into our lives to rub off upon us. And now we ask, O oh Lord, that as we bless our way into this day, that we may be mindful of those in our lives for whom you have placed us in that opportunity to rub off upon, that they may know, O oh God, of this good God who loves us all. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. <laughs>